0: Good morning, everybody. My name's Aaron, and I'm glad you're here this morning, and uh, excited to be with you and get an opportunity to share God's Word with you. If you have a Bible, I'd love it if you'd open it up to the book of Psalms, chapter 130. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a hardback one somewhere near you in the floor and under the chair in front of you. Um, We're on page 518 in one of those hardback Bibles. We've been going through this summer the Psalms. Um, We're going to wrap that up this morning and take a look at Psalm 130. So, if you would follow along with me as we read Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. The word of the Lord. So, um, here's my question this morning as we get started for you. Have you, ever, have you ever felt really far away from God? This is a psalm, this is David um, writing this psalm, this is a psalm, that is being written from a place of feeling a separation from God. If you notice in the very first verse, he says, Out of the depths, I cry to you. The depths meaning I feel so far away. I'm so far down. And God, you are so high up. And so between us, there is just this huge chasm. There's just this gap, this space that is just massive. And I'm wondering if you've ever felt that way yourself. That sense of like... Like, I, I believe God's real. Like, intellectually, I, I would affirm that. I would, I would consent to say, yes, God is real. I believe he's real. I even believe and would affirm certain things that I've learned or heard or been told about God. And, and, and yet, emotionally, in my heart, I just don't feel him i don't feel his presence i don't feel a closeness i don't feel a connection i'm wondering if you've ever felt that way i'm going to guess you probably have Um, because i believe all of us at some point go through that for one reason or another, and look, and, and the, the reasons could be varied. In fact, as, as we're looking at Psalm 130 this morning, scholars, different scholars have a lot of different reasons why David is feeling this way. Some of them take some of the evidence from the psalm and think that, that maybe he has done something himself. And we've, as we looked, if you were here the last couple of weeks, we know that David certainly did any number of things in his life that could have made him feel so completely separated from God. But if you If you read much about the life of of David, all kinds of stuff happened to him, that some of his own fault and his own choosing, and some of it just totally outside of him, just circumstances and the choices of other people, all of which could lead anybody to feel just deep, deep despair. So we don't know, we don't know for sure what brings David to this point. And so as we come to this this morning, and as we're talking about this, and and, and we're saying we, and maybe have in the past, and maybe right now even, feel at times separate from God. It could be for any number of reasons. And, and so here's what I'm going to say just to start. The reason isn't the point this morning, okay? Um, sometimes people, and, and, and here's why I say that, sometimes, sometimes we get a, a wrong idea that if there's some pr- distance if there's some gap if we're not feeling spiritually connected to God then it's something we've done wrong and we've got to fix what we've done wrong and 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 that's not where we're going this morning there's a whole host of reasons that you can feel emotionally distant and separate from God and it can manifest in any number of ways it doesn't look the same for everybody Sometimes, sometimes it comes through in, in depression. Sometimes you just feel sad. Sometimes it's different, though. Sometimes you feel anger. And you're just angry all the time. And specifically, at times, you just feel angry with God about whatever is going on. Sometimes, sometimes it comes through as apathy. Sometimes you just don't care. And you go through the motions that you think you should be doing, but you just feel like, what's the point? And you can't even bring yourself to want to not feel that way, and it's apathy. But I think we all go through it, and so the question this morning is just this, what, what do you do with that? When you're feeling this emotional distance, when you're feeling this huge gap between you and God, what do you do? Where do you go? What do you, what's it look like? So we're going to look at what David does. Okay, and we're going to go through this psalm and we're going to say, what does David do? Is he's working through this, this despair and this tension and this distance that he feels from God. And as we do that, let, let me say this at the outset. This is, this is descriptive, it's not prescriptive. Do you know what I mean by that? This is what David is doing. There's not necessarily within this psalm, this isn't him saying, when you feel this way, here's what you should do. This is just David saying, this is how I feel and working through it. And as we look at how he works through it, then I hope, I hope maybe we can take something from that and learn from that and maybe it applies to us in some ways. But let's see. Here's, I'm going to just say here's three things as we go through this, three things that David does when he's feeling distant from God and hopefully... Maybe for you, this, this connects and this resonates, and this can be a help to you. So here, here we go. Number one, as, as David works through his distance from God, number one, he's honest with God. Look at verses one and two. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas, my pleas for mercy. David is feeling this distance, this gap. He doesn't connect. He's not emotionally there. But he doesn't try to hide it here. He doesn't put on a mask. He doesn't put on... Look, it's so easy, isn't it? When when you are just not feeling what you think you're supposed to be feeling, okay, this is the thing about emotions that we we have so much a sense and we're told and culturally and, and... sometimes within the church and just at large in culture that we're supposed to feel a certain way about everything right and not just what we should think and what we should do but but how we should feel and when you don't feel the way you're supposed to feel honestly for most of us the 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 first place we go and then our number one sort of refuge from that is to want to try to hide to want to try to cover it up to just put on the false face especially at church I mean, especially when it comes to God, because it's supposed to be like this is, this is happy place, this is joyful place, and this is where you go, and everything's got to be worked out, and you've got to have everything in order. But David doesn't do that. Here he gets real. He cries out. Instead of pushing the emotion away, he, he allows the emotion to over. Whelm him, to, to, to wash over him, and to end that cry out to God. He's not running from his emotions, and he's not running from God. Because when we, when we hide and when we want to put on sort of a false front, a lot of times what we think we want to do is to try to put that false front up, not just between us and the rest of the world, but between us and God as well. Instead, David chooses to. To be honest about his pain with himself and with God and to take that pain to God. And to go to God and to plead to him, to beg him, to help him in his pain. Not to pretend that he's got it all worked out. Not to pretend that everything's fine. But to go and to just be completely honest and to ask for help. This, in and of itself, this honesty... That itself is an act of faith on David's part. What I mean by that is this. When when we get honest with people about what's going on inside of us, when you open yourself up and honestly share what's really going on, when you drop the mask, when you set aside all the, the pretense, and you're real, you are exposing yourself. And not just exposing yourself so that, that people can can know you more. You're exposing yourself to the possibility of hurt and the possibility of judgment and the possibility of further pain. That's why we hide. It's protection. We cover up and we don't we don't get honest because honest it's possible that we'll just get hurt even more. So to go to other people, or even in this case, to go to God and to be honest, it requires trust. It requires faith. It requires a belief that this person that I'm sharing this with is not going to use this against me. It's not going to become leverage. It's not going to be used as manipulation It's not going to be thrown back at me. It's not going to be leveraged later, maybe in some argument at some future time. I'm not going to be condemned. I'm not going to be judged. That I can go to this person and just be honest. And we're scared to do this with God specifically because it's God. And if anybody's got the right to judge us, it's God, right? And to go to to him, and to be honest about how we're feeling, and what does that open us up to? And maybe it's just safer, if I just pretend. Maybe I just, even with God, just, just try to keep it safe. But David goes to God, and he's honest. Because of the depth of his separation, because of the way he's feeling, he lays it out there, and I believe there's a reason that he's willing to be honest with God, and it's a reason that we can know that we can be honest with God, and and that we can trust Him with our pain, because David knew who God was and what God had done, and in a sense, God had. And I know, please don't nitpick the, the language here. This is just. In a sense, God had earned David's trust. I know God doesn't have to earn our... I I get it, but here's what I'm saying by that. Based on what God had done, David knew he could trust God with his pain. And this is the second thing we see. In his pain, in his depth of separation from God, David leans into what he knows to be true. This is verses 3... And four. Look at this. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. This is two things here that, that David says that he knows to be true about God. Factually true. Not, not subjective. Not open to interpretation. This is what I know. This is what David's saying in verses 3 and 4. Two things. Number one, that David knows he and himself in his own goodness, could never and nobody could ever stand before God because of God's righteousness, because God is so great, there's always going to be a gap in holiness between humans and between God. And David knows that and he understands that. And the second thing he knows is that in spite of that gap, in spite of God's perfection and his imperfection, that God has shown mercy. God has offered forgiveness. David's honest with God about the depth of his feelings, but in that, he leans into what he knows is true. Objectively, factually true. Because, look, this is huge. No matter how you may feel, no matter what's going on emotionally in your heart, God has proven His goodness through His actions. He he has displayed it. He has demonstrated it. Look, I'm not not denigrating emotions here, okay? I want to be clear about that. Our emotions are, are real. The way we feel is real, and we need to be honest about how we feel when we're feeling that depth, when we're feeling separation, when we're feeling whatever it is, apathy or anger or whatever the pain is that we feel. We have to be real about our feelings, but we also have to remember that sometimes, sometimes our hearts can betray us. Sometimes our emotions, as much as they're real in the sense of that's what we are feeling, sometimes they're straight up dishonest with us. Our hearts lie to us. Sometimes in our pain, in our anger, even in our apathy, whatever that emotion is, sometimes we lose sight of what's actually true. And we start to to believe things that just aren't true. And because I don't feel a connection with God, I start to believe that God isn't actually there. Because I feel angry towards God, I start to believe that God doesn't actually love me. We're tempted to abandon the truth because of the pain that we're feeling. But when our emotions, which are so given to wild swings of ups and downs and can change from moment to moment, and when they are at a place that's leading us farther and farther away from God, the question has to be, can we at those times, lean in. Instead of leaning into how we feel, can we lean into what we know to be true? Um. When I, so a little bit of my story. Some of you we shared this a few months ago. Um, if you were here, if you weren't, just just to kind of catch you up, I was. Um, for the past couple years, we were working on planting a church, starting a new church in Troy. And um it closed down. we had to close it down back in the spring, just because it just't didn't, it didn't work out. Long story. Um, but it hurt. This is a short version. It hurt. Um, it hurt really bad. To go from something that was for me for my family was like. The, the kind of almost like the focus and the drive of, of my life and our lives for years, years, stretching way back, um, to come to a place where we had to kind of admit that it just didn't work out, it failed, it, it, and, and it, it threw me in a lot of ways, to be honest, and... Um, And here's, let me, I'm sorry, I'm not making a lot of sense, and I apologize for that, but I'm just trying to to tell this in the most succinct way possible. Um, I came to this place when the the church closed down, and it had been something that we had worked on for so long, and I believed, and here's kind of the key, I had believed so strongly that this was God had called me to do this. Like, I had believed so much and knew, like, I was absolutely sure that for years, God, this was God's direction for my life. This is churchy language. God's will for my life was for us to start this church. And I was convinced of it. And specifically, that he wanted us to go and to be in Troy and to start this church in Troy and to do it. And things happened along the way that, to me, were just confirmation of that. Just amazing stuff that we saw that we were just like, okay, God is leading us along. This is clear. He's providing this. He's providing this everything just laying out before us, and like, this is where God wants us to be, this is what God wants us to be doing, and then it just didn't happen, and it just, it just failed, like, flat, it just failed, and here I am, like, what do I do? I mean, what do I do with that? And I've been, it's, like I said, it's been a few months now, and working through that and trying to figure this whole thing out. And I came to a place where I kind of said, I think there's maybe three or four ways I can look at this. Maybe I was just wrong. Like, I was so set, convinced this is what God wants us to do. Um, maybe I was wrong. I just missed it. Like, God was over here like, okay, Aaron, this is, this is where you need to be going in your life. And I was like going the opposite direction. Like I totally missed, he was sending me signs and signals and I just missed it. Maybe that was, you know, I was convinced of something and I was just wrong. Maybe, um, maybe I was wrong about even more than that. Maybe God just wasn't really all that involved. And so like, maybe God didn't even have a, plan this was all just me from the beginning and whether it succeeded or failed was all on me all along anyway and uh, it was my goal and my plan and it didn't work out because I wasn't good enough at it and God's just kind of doing some other thing and he's more concerned about something else and if he's even there or maybe 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 the whole point of the whole thing was that it was all God's plan. He wanted us to go there, he wanted us to start the church, and he wanted it to fail. And maybe he would planned that out all along and he knew that we were going to invest our lives and our family and the the lives of other families and they were all going to join us in this and we were going to be so committed and it was just going to blow up and it wasn't going to work. And maybe he knew that all along and that was his plan for whatever reason, and I don't know. I don't know. And emotionally, I'm up and down and up and down as I try to think through that, and I bump into all those different possibilities, and I'm sure you could probably, if we sat down, you could probably give me some more possibilities that it might be. I don't know. But here's kind of what I've come to, and I'm not saying I'm like, figured this all out or anything like that. But there are a few things that I do know for sure about God. And in spite of what's happened, and in spite of how I feel about everything that's happened, there's some things that I know about God that are true. Like what David says here, these are things that I know are true. Number one, I know that I am nothing. And that on my own, I'm nothing. And that, that when it comes to, to God, there's nothing in me that I could give to him. There's nothing in me that would draw him to me or should draw him to me. And yet, I know, and this is what I know, and this is what I have to, you know, like, hold on to as I know this. I know that Jesus Christ came to earth and lived a perfect life and died because of my nothingness because of my sin and because of everything i've done wrong and jesus died because of that in my place so that i can know god and i know that to be true and everything else i don't know and how specifically all this stuff works out in my life or or how it would work out in your life I, i don't know but i know that to be true and so So I have to cling really, really hard to what I know to be true in the face of how I feel and how I'm tempted to feel. And I believe this for myself and and for you as well, that, that as we focus on the things we know, as we focus on the truth, as we... Um, as we we, we set our eyes as, as firmly as we can on what we know to be true, that focusing on that can shape how we feel. That our emotions can follow the truth. That they're up and down and they're not always there, but as we more and more, as I more and more train my eyes on the gospel and on what Christ did for me, That in my heart, I can be changed to feel more what I know instead of those two pushing away from each other. But I know this too it's not automatic. It's not a, like I can tell you right now, it's not a three month thing. Which is why we see the third thing that David does in this psalm. Verses 5 and 6. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope, my soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. David waits. He knows it's true that, that God is a God of mercy that he's a God of forgiveness. But He doesn't feel that forgiveness. So he waits. I hate to wait. Oh man, I, I hate it. Don't, don't you? Is it just me? I hate it you know what I want? You know what I really want? I'm just going to be honest. You know what I want from God? I want a God who's like a light switch. Like just flick, boom. It's there. Say a prayer, done. You know? God, please help me to be better. Boom, I'm better. I decided, you know what? That's a sin. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't do it anymore. It's done, right? Okay, God, I'm, I'm feeling so distant, but I believe you're here. Boom, oh, I feel you. You're right here. When I was... uh. Way, way back, six, seven years ago, we were trying to figure out, is God calling us to plant a church? Should we start a new church? If so, where? And we go through these times where I'd be like, I really want to know God's direction, so I'd pray. I'd get down, I'm like, I'm going to pray about this for God, and get down, me and Joni, we get down together and we pray, 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 God, please show us if you want us to start a church. If so, where? Where do you want us to go? What do you want us to show us? Please, God. Amen. And then I look over, okay, what do you think? Did you get, what do you get? Like, it's like, I prayed the prayer. Come on, boom, give me a vision, give me a sign, something, right? It's just not, it's just not how God works. I don't know why. I don't know why God takes uh, the, the time that he takes, but I know that lasting change takes time. That, that most of the time, not always, okay, not always. I always have to give this caveat. There's some people who, like, they meet God, they, they have an experience with God, and then, like, in a moment, boom, and it changes their entire lives, like, in a moment. But that's really, really rare. That's really rare. It's the exception, it's not the rule. Most of the time, it's like a long, long time of praying, of trusting, of believing but not feeling it, but pushing anyway, and I'm going to believe this even though I don't feel it, I'm just going to keep believing it. And slowly and slowly and slowly God transforms our hearts. There's this, it's not a paradox, but it's this this complex truth in the Bible that says that God, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that God both has saved you and he is saving you. And the Bible says both those things about people who, have, who trust in Jesus. That, that there's this part of it where immediately that there's this, I mean, theology stuff, what we call regeneration, that God makes us, that we're dead before Christ, and without Christ we're dead, and he makes us alive And that's not a process, you're not like partially dead or partially alive. You're dead, and then you come to life, your soul comes to life. And that's like, boom, in an instant. But at the same time, there's this progressive, this this long-term thing that's going on in our lives that even though He's made us alive and He's renewed our hearts, that slowly, 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 slowly He's shaping us to be more like Him. And it takes time. And it's so, to us, so slow. And so we're living in what we call the already not yet. That that he's already redeemed us, he's already saved us, he's already made us new people. But we're not yet what we're going to be. And so even though we can believe and we can trust and we can have faith that God is who He says He is and He's doing what He says He's doing, that we don't always feel it. And we're going to go up and down. We're living, we're living in the meantime, the in-between, between who we were and who we're going to be and we're not there. And in the meantime, in the meantime, we sin. And in the meantime, we feel pain. And in the meantime, our our friends betray us. In the meantime, we fail. In the meantime, things don't make sense. In the meantime, it doesn't all work out always. But in the meantime, we hope. Look at verse 7. I was going to put this on the is number four of the three things David does. I decided that was such a bad joke. So, number seven. Verse seven. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. What is hope? Sometimes we think hope is wishing. Like, I, I hope it's going to be good weather this week. I hope... I hope Michigan's going to be better this year than last year. I hope, that's just me, I know you don't care. Um, I hope for things to turn out, right? I hope things will get better. I hope, but I don't know. I'm just wishing. A lot of people, that's how they define faith. I have faith that things are going to, you need more faith. Just have faith means like just hope, just pretend, just imagine. Just what's your preferred outcome and you hope for that, but that's not what hope is here. That's not what David's not talking about. He's not saying, wish, maybe, cross your fingers, maybe God's good. Hope hope in that. Hey, the whole thing might blow up, but let's have hope. Maybe it won't. That's not what he's saying. He says, oh Israel, hope in the Lord, because with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. This is going back. What do we know about God? He loves us. He loves us with a steadfast love. Steve mentioned this the last couple of weeks. The idea of steadfast love, this is God's covenant, His promised love to us. This is not an emotional only love. There's certainly emotion within it. Okay? When you love something or someone, there is emotion tied into that. But this is love that's based on a promise, and it's a promise made by God. And we can trust in his promise, not because, not because we have so much hope, but because what we have our hope in. This is the thing about faith in the Bible. This is the difference between, this is the huge difference between faith in God and faith or hope in the weather, or hope in a sports team, or hope in a politician, or hope in in your friends or in your family or a hope in your money or whatever it is that you place your hope in, whatever it is that you're investing and hoping and and wishing and thinking, maybe this is the thing that's going to pull me through, maybe this is the thing that's going to give me happiness, maybe this is the thing that's going to pull me out of my despair. The difference between hope in any of that and hope in God is not how much hope you have in it. Okay, it doesn't matter how much faith you're putting into your job. It doesn't matter how much you are trusting in your spouse to make you happy. The question is not, do you have enough hope? You just need to hope harder. You just need to have more faith. The difference... Between hope and anything else in God is what the hope is in. You can have the smallest, tiniest amount of faith in God. He's God, He's gonna come through. Hope is not about wishing that it may come true, hope is trusting in something that's been assured an assured future that is better than our present. Hope, really, is the ability to enjoy now what hasn't come yet because you're assured that it will come. Hope is the emotional response to believing the truth about who God is. And because God is who he says he is, and because he has done what he has done, and because he has promised to do more, hope is because I believe he will do that, I can enjoy it now even though it hasn't happened yet. And though I'm feeling the pain of my present circumstances that as I hope in what God's going to do, my heart can shift. The key key to hope is not the fervency of our hope, it's the object of our hope. So here's the question that I have for you this morning. Where is your hope? When you're feeling, if you're feeling that separation, if you're feeling that sense that things just aren't the way they should be, what are you hoping in? And look, this is, again, the the good news here. It doesn't matter how strongly you're hoping in it. It doesn't matter how strong your faith is. The point this morning is not in any way you just need to have more faith. You just need to have stronger faith. You're just not praying hard enough. You're just not believing hard enough. No. The whole point is just what is your faith in? Because Jesus Christ is the only, only place that your hope can be placed, that can hold up against whatever it is that you're feeling. My encouragement is the same as as David's encouragement. Look, in verses 1 through 6, he's talking about himself and how he's feeling. In verse 7, he turns it outward. He says, O Israel, he was the king of Israel, he's talking to his nation, O Israel, hope in the Lord, he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. There is hope in the Lord. And so my encouragement to you is the same. Hope in the Lord. No matter how distant you're feeling, no matter how far away, no matter how much pain there is, no matter how many questions you have, focus on what you know is true. Jesus died for you out of his love for you he has promised a future that is so much better hope in that we're going to take some time i'm going to pray have some time to reflect and then we'll share communion together Heavenly Father, God, we love you. And yet, there are times, so many times, when I just don't feel a connection, I don't feel your love. And I can be tempted to despair. And I know that that's not just true of me, that's true of everyone here. But God, you have loved us. And so my prayer this morning is that we would focus on you and on your love for us. On the things that we know to be true. That we would lean so far into those things that we know are true that you would shape our hearts and that our hearts would follow and that we would fall even more deeply in love with you. God, please this morning be with us. Help us to know that you are here, but also, God, please give us grace as we wait as you are transforming us and we're going through the time-consuming process of becoming more like your Son, I pray that we will have patience to wait. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.